Elliot, James Gunn is shooting down rumors. Shooting down, you see what I did there? Uh, shooting down rumors of a Howard the Duck movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Why? I mean, the world needs a Howard the Duck reboot. Well, you know, maybe they figured it would be a little too close to reality since the dark overlord of the universe is already on TV and all over Twitter every single day. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say... Get a life. That's it. No more Mr. Nice Duck. Keith Counter Geek number 93. Keith Conrad at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. Joined as always by uh, Elliot Serrano uh, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. Also, you can follow the show at Keith Counter Geek. And uh, Facebook.com slash GeekCounterGeek. Um, we haven't done Snapchat yet, but uh, you never know. Maybe we will one day. Yeah, I mean, you know, chat filter with, that makes people look just really dorky. Uh, or, as, as I call it, you know, just taking a picture of me. <laughs> you know, it'll be like, you know, uh, uh, just a couple of guys wearing headphones like each other awkwardly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That that would that would be about it. Um, so, um, now Spider-Man: Homecoming comes out uh, next week, but uh, I I hear tell that uh, somebody got a a double secret uh, preview screening of it. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did go to the Chicago premiere of Spider-Man: Homecoming, and um, you know, uh, I, after not getting invited. To the Transformers premiere. I know that was really things, heartbreaking. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was. But I got to go to uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, where not only did we I get to see the movie, but they debuted the uh, Dolby Atmos system. It's where you know you sit in a theater, the digital projection is like super cool. The you have the you know the sound that goes all around you, and you're sitting in a chair that like vibrates and. stuff stuff when things crash and all those types of things oh wow so it's kind of neat and um yeah um and i gotta say uh i left the theater i mean even even though you know i mean the the um the extra stuff was kind of neat uh what i liked the most about the movie really was the movie itself um it's uh yes it's very much uh spider-man in you know firmly ensconced in the new Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, they, they pretty much show him, you know, popping up in there in the Avengers. And yes, Robert Downey Jr. has a very small role in it. Um, but really what's more important than that is after, um, you know, I guess third time's a charm because after Sam Raimi took a shot at it and after Mark Webb took a shot at it, uh, they no finally pun intended. Got... That was really his name. Yep. Yes, it, that is correct. Yes. Um uh, they finally got the Peter Parker character right. You know, the uh, Tobey Maguire was good as Peter Parker, but they never really got um, his sort of, um, you know, the duality of the Spider-Man character where he was, you know, kind of like nerdy and shy as Peter, uh, but really gregarious and jokey as Spider-Man. 
Uh, um, the uh, uh, the Andrew Garfield character came closer, uh, maybe closer as Spider-Man, but the problem is when he was Peter Parker, he was totally emo. You know, the totally, you know, oh, I can't believe you're leaving me, uh, you know, stalking his girlfriend who's supposed to be going away to college and just being pretty much Anakin Skywalker type creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's, a, that's actually a yeah. pretty apt description. <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, Tom Holland in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming plays Peter Parker as this really sweet, young, um, vulnerable but very likable, smart, nerdy kid, a hero. Um, you would call this uh, more year one because it's it um, in in uh, in continuity. Spider, this movie picks up right after uh, Captain America: Civil War. In fact, when uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming starts, we see. How things got started. There's that little gap when, um, in Civil War, when, um, remember, um, Tony Stark goes to Peter Parker's house and talks to him and his aunt about going to Berlin to face Captain America. Right. Although I don't well, think he tells a, uh, Aunt May that they're going to Berlin. Right. It's just he's doing a quote unquote internship. And, um, but the first few minutes just kind of like fill that in, like, how they got what happened in Berlin and the behind the scenes, you know, uh, the getting set up for to take on Captain America and the Avengers, and then pick, then runs from there. And so, what so basically, next. it's sort of like Battlestar Galactica, the plan, except they actually give you inside information that you didn't have before. That you didn't have before, right? And it's to, it's told from Peter Parker's point of view, which is kind of neat because he's like this wide-eyed sort of kid um, who, you know, he doesn't become a, a jaded, you know, veteran superhero right away like happened in the previous Spider-Man movies. Maybe it's because Spider-Man was so on his own in, like, again, the Sam Raimi movies. There weren't other heroes to compare him to. He didn't have other heroes that he had to say, oh, wow, you've been around for a while. You know, you're, you've been around the block more than me. You know, I, I can learn from you. Um, in this one, because Peter is, you know, again, been Spider-Man for all of six months, according to the you know the timeline, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's still learning the ropes, and it's very much about that. And it's there's some funny bits, there's some jokes, so I highly recommend it. Is it is it a groundbreaking movie? Is it um superhero movies as we know it? No, um, the, the, the 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 plot is pretty by the numbers um, plotting. Um, Michael Keaton is the vulture and he pretty, I mean, he does this great job as that, that character. And to me, I was like flashing to when I saw Harrison Ford with Sean Connery in uh, last crusade, you know, cause a lot of folks talk about how, um, Indiana Jones was inspired by James Bond. So having James Bond, and the indie in a movie together, you know, that was kind of neat. This was kind of fun to see Batman. You know, Michael Keaton was Batman in the 80s. Um, and we talked about, you know, the Batman movies in the last uh, podcast. But seeing him uh, with a very young Andrew Garfield, I'm not sorry, Andrew Garfield, a very young Tom Holland, was a little, uh, you know, duality to that. You know, the veteran guy who's who played superheroes for a while and became very well known for it 
with this young kid who's just now entering into that genre and uh, making a name for himself in it. Yeah, and it, it sounds, uh, you know, based on what you're saying, that, uh, you know, it, it sounds like they, they handled this really well as far as this being, uh, you know, a, a, a third reboot of this series because they are starting it over again. He's obviously not a, you know, not a, a finished product as far as superheroes go, but they also don't have to kill Uncle Ben again. Yes, um, and they, I mean, for folks who know, again, the, the Spider-Man story, you really didn't need to see that. But there are echoes of that incident in the movie, and it really informs a lot of Peter's decisions, and it informs kind of his um, moral center. A lot of the decisions that he makes, you know, and the things that happen, and what drives him. So I, I'll say, you know... Um, you know, they really got the character and you're right. They didn't need to redo the origin again because we've all seen it. We all know it. It's not like, you know, you have to see Batman's parents killed at the beginning of every movie. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, (laughs) even in, uh, even in Captain America civil war, like I, I, I thought that they, that they did that really well because they, uh, Tom Holland, he, he makes reference to it. I think he, he quite literally says, well, when whatever happened, happened. Uh, right. And, and I think that's fine because, you know, A, if he, I mean, you don't even have to know anything about the comic books or, or even uh, other film adaptations. You know what, what happened to make him Spider-Man. Uh, you know, at this point, at this point, we, we just all know that it's, it's fine. We can move on with our lives. And there, they do make. There is reference to that. I mean, uh, there's a scene where Peter Parker, uh, talk, yeah, and we've seen this in the in the in the trailers. If you've seen the trailers, it's not um, a big spoiler because his friend, his best friend in high school, discovers that he's Spider-Man, and so there's this little comedic sequence. One that starts off where Peter kind of explains where he got the powers. And then his friend is asking him about the powers and the things that he can do and comes up with all these things that spiders do. And he asks him if he can do it as well, which makes for some funny, you know, some funny moments. So you're right. It, they don't have to repeat it, but they does make reference to it. Also, another thing, too, there is a, yet another take on the uh, Aunt May character this time played by Marissa Tomei. It's like. Every time they recast Aunt May, she gets younger and she gets hotter. <laughs> and, um, I, I, yeah, I've noticed that. That's a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, you see, there, there are bits. You know, they do some bits between the two. And you see their, their relationship. And even this relationship in this movie um, just felt a little f- more full. It felt more like, you know, like a not, – not, you know, like an aunt – you know, not like a mother – a mother-son bit because you know Peter knows that's not his mom. Um, he knows it's his aunt who who raised him. Uh, but that relationship just seems more um, more organic. The way they relate with each other, and because um, they did they hammered on that a lot in the, the Andrew Garfield movies, like this distrust between you know uh, May. And Peter, because, you know, Peter's going out and being Spider-Man and getting beat up and may know something's going on. Well, Sally Field, as on me, knew something was going on. And it, yeah, but they, I will say this, they, <laughs> when you, when you see Spider-Man Homecoming, oh yeah, they came up with a new, they came up with a new take on 
the cinematic relationship, although it is something they did in the comics. I don't want to spoil it, but um, you'll see. It's it's rather funny. They and they also push the boundaries on a on a little bit of language too. So well, you you just oh, see oh the God, movie. I hate no. to be vague. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not saying that there's anything incestual going on between them. No, it's nothing like that. Nothing incestuous. It's just, uh, um, but if something really funny happens, uh, and uh, you just gotta see it, gotta see it. That's my recommendation for this movie. Well, Go if you insist. It. I mean, I yeah, yeah. You gotta see this one. This one is it's a fun one. It's fine to me. I was there going. Finally, they figured out Spider Man. Oh, and here's the other thing, too. They cleverly introduced, like, three Spider-Man villains in the first movie. And guess what? It wasn't stupid. And it actually worked. And you're there going, oh. They actually they, they introduced three Spider-Man villains, and it didn't, like, overwhelm the movie. I, I was actually going to ask you about that, uh, because uh, that's one thing that uh, it seemed to just get worse and worse and worse with every, uh, with every movie. You know, even uh, you know the original Sam Raimi movies, and uh, even even the ones with uh, Andrew Garfield. That it, it seemed like they they just were never quite content with the number of villains they had in the movie. So they had to keep introducing all these uh, all these subplots, and it, it just got to be confusing. Yeah, it did. But but it, again, I'll say you have to see it because it was pretty much the origin of these villains as they relate to Spider Man, and again. Any other movie, they would have overdone it. Um, this one, they just seem to find the right way, the right balance with it. If I have any, um, if there are any drawbacks to the movie, it does seem to run a little long, although not long for, let's say, the average moviegoer like myself. But if you're going to bring young kids to see this movie, okay, if you're going to bring young kids to see this movie, take them to an earlier show. A later show, they're going to have to fall asleep. All right. So because it runs a little long and there's a lot of like actual acting and adult angst and teenage angst in it, which little kids aren't going to get. Also, the the language just gets a tad salty. And at one point, one of the characters flips the bird to somebody. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want your little. Yeah, I don't know if you want little kids. Well, seeing, is it really any you know, worse than any other of uh, the Marvel movies? No, not too much more. I mean, you know, um, like, let's see, the last Avengers movie, um, there was the one joke about using language. But, yeah, beyond that, no, it was not terrible. Or, actually, the, I'm thinking about the X-Men movies, you know, where they there's an F-bomb dropped in one of the movies for a PG-13. Um, but, and it's not, you know, it doesn't get to that point. But, again, I know... A lot of folks I know with the screening I went to, there were a lot of little kids at the at the movie. I'm talking like seven, eight year old kids, and um, you just want to be mindful of that. And uh, you know, even though this is uh, you know really supposed to be uh, you know uh, the, the the big introduction of Peter Parker and Spider Man into the the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, since uh, that wasn't the case with the previous uh, Spider Man movies. Uh, it turns out we learned this week from uh, Tom Holland, who you absolutely do not want to tell a secret to because he just he seems to leak <laughs> everything. Uh, we found out from Tom Holland that apparently that wasn't uh, Spider-Man's first uh, uh, appearance in a Marvel movie, although I should actually say Peter Parker because he wasn't Spider-Man yet. 
apparently uh, in Iron Man 2 when uh, when Iron Man is uh, is fighting all the uh, the hammer drones at the uh, at the the expo space uh, apparently that's actually uh, th there's a point where uh, a kid in an Iron Man mask uh, runs afoul of one of the hammer drones and uh, apparently that's actually Peter Parker yeah, yes, I, I read that. Tom Holland had been talking about that, and uh, he said that in an interview. Um, and then uh, this, I guess it was a fan theory that was running around for a while that people were saying, hey, could that be Peter Parker and so on? It got back to Tom Holland. Tom Holland said, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, I bet you, you know, I'm saying that is. And then he had to go. He went to Kevin Fage, Fagey. I, I never get his last name right. And said, hey, is that true? You know, are we doing that? And I think Kevin Feige kind of poo-pooed it, but not outright poo-pooed it. Like, it was like, it was like the whole, well, you know, that's kind of neat, but, you know, it's not really what it is. But, yeah, we can tell people that and so on. So I think it's one of those things where um, the, it could be to the point where they're going, huh, well – Maybe we don't want to turn that card over just yet because that's something we can talk about in a future movie. So. That, that's true. I, I took it a little like uh, um, Samuel L. Jackson saying that Mace Windu, Mace Windu is alive and George Lucas going, yeah, sure, I'm retired. You can be alive. Yeah, yeah, it's canon now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just make him happy, you know. Are you going to say no to Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> I, I'm certainly not. No, how how so. could you? So so that is actually um, you know a a great uh, brush with a celebrity, and if you want to hear more about those, uh, just listen to Minutia Men because uh, Rick has run into literally every celebrity on the planet. You name them, chances are he booked them for an interview on a radio show and has some sort of story to tell about them. It's it, it really. It puts me to shame as a as a radio producer because I don't have I don't have nearly the stories that he does. It it's it's really sad. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I was who was I talking to the other day about who I would want to run into because I've met my share of celebrities now, and um, it's kind of like eh, I don't know. After 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 my run in with William Shatner, I don't know if I need any more. <laughs> so. No, I, I think uh, I think you uh, you've pretty much covered it there, and um, you know, I, it, for for generations you'll be able to talk about that. I will, and I have, and then um, <laughs> let's see who who I, I'd say thinking about uh, not only the minutia men who are fun. Um, you've got um, well, uh, 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 wrapped in plastic, which again we're in we're in we're in prime print. Uh, prime Twin Peaks mode right now, and people are already t talking on social media about how uh, the new Twin Peaks is melting their brain. You know, it's like, hey guys, remember how we didn't really understand it the first time around? Did you really expect it to get any easier to follow this time around? Come on, guys. So, you know, I yeah, don't get yeah, it. yeah. I uh, what is uh, um, uh, I, I think there's there's actually a, a Simpsons. Uh, thing about about twin peaks where homer's watching it and he's like this is the greatest thing ever i, I don't understand it <laughs> and i think that's you know what it is it's like a lot of times we it, it could be something that david lynch is just pulling a big joke on all of us 
but he knows that we're just too vain to admit that none of it makes sense. Like, no, <laughs> that, that, no. And he's like, okay. You know, like how they say Evian Water is naive spelled backwards? Right. Um, yeah. It, it's, the, it's the TV show equivalent of saying, hold my beer and watch this. Right. So, but then it's like, I, I, I hold my beer or watch this and, uh, hey, was that beer I was drinking? No, that wasn't beer. I'm not going to admit that wasn't beer. Uh, yeah, pr- pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you've, you've got that. And um, I, I hear there's, uh, there's one other uh, podcast that, that you, uh, you've taken a liking to on the Radio Misfits oh. Podcast Network. Oh, of course. We can't go by another day without talking about our favorite gals over at the Dishing Bitches, which um, even now are fighting and plotting a way to uh, create a crossover episode with us. So it's going to be like three to four really attractive, hot women with strong opinions with uh, two kind of mild-mannered, dorky guys who are just going to agree with everything they say. I, you know, I think people would listen to that. I, I, I think we oh, might have a winner there. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Whatever you say, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You are absolutely right. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, of course, you know that that's uh, there's there's all that and more on the uh, the Radio Misfits uh, podcast network. And no matter which uh, podcast you choose to listen to, in addition to Geek Counter Geek. You definitely want to make sure that they sound the best. So you want to get uh, headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio, where you have eight colors and styles available, mic'd, non-mic'd versions designed to sound great for music and talk, even if it's just Elliot and uh, and Keith agreeing with the dishing bitches. Uh, Noise-reducing design, (laughs) a lifetime warranty. That's the entire lifetime of of the gadget. Uh, Visit tweakedaudio.com. Use the discount code gcg at checkout for 33 percent off that's a third and free worldwide shipping the code is not case sensitive use all caps no caps capitalize the c whatever you want to do just use gcg and you will get the uh the discount uh you can't beat that can you um, no, you can't. I'm telling you, and it's a, really it's quality equipment stuff that you can use for listening to podcasts, gaming, uh, uh, hook it up with your telephone. And, and um, I really like how you it said it's it's drop. quality equipment as you drop something in the background. That that. that well, yes. Yeah. That that works out. Really, oh wow! Really well. You picked that up, huh? <laughs> I, you know, I did. Grabbing yeah. my copy here. <laughs> so. So, yes, um, I would say, you know, again, gcg.com. Uh, uh, GCG is a code, 33% off at tweakedaudio.com, and uh, tell them that Geek Counter Geek sent you. Now, Elliot, uh, last week, uh, I think literally minutes after we after we finished uh, recording uh, the last episode of Geek Counter Geek, <laughs> uh, came word that uh, uh, Lord and Miller were out as the director's of the new Han Solo movie, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, this isn't good. The, the, you know, you can you can say that the the talk about all the reshoots uh, in in Rogue One was was overblown. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But it doesn't seem like a, a good thing when uh, you fire the directors with three weeks left in shooting. Well, yeah, it's fun because. Um... 
it, you know, you, you were hearing all these different stories about what was going on with the production, you know, and that, yeah, Lord Miller came out and made a statement. They said uh, that um, it was, quote unquote, creative differences. And they even said they hate hearing that term because it's so cliched. But for them, it truly did apply. And as it was coming out, more and more is coming out. And to be honest, I find, uh, you know, I don't know. When they talk about how um, the, the 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 process goes down and what decisions are made, and it's like so, you know, so and so who is closer to production, or so and so who is in development, and said, you know, and you never get names. It's all like people who speak, you know, like it's all anonymous sources and, and fake news. Really, fake news, right? Um, yeah, they say that a lot of it was um, Lord Miller weren't up to the task. It was a bigger budget movie than they were accustomed to. Um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan wasn't happy with the dailies he was getting back. They were saying that Lord Miller were turning it into a, a comedy when it was supposed to be a Western. And all, all these things, as you said, with three weeks left in, in principal photography – decide to pull the plug and i'm like wow you know it that's that's pretty uh pretty uh i don't know is that ballsy or not i mean or is that reckless i don't know i mean kathleen kennedy made the call as it says and then you know and that was her call and then who does she bring in to to do the job you know to kind of like fix things um ron howard uh, who were last teamed with Lucasfilm on Willow many, many years ago. Yeah, that was a, was little, also uh, a little while ago, yeah. Yeah, and, but he was also on the prequels with um, with George Lucas, when George Lucas was um, doing the uh, prequel films. I remember looking at one of the extras on The Phantom Menace, um, on the making of The Phantom Menace, and it's when he shows the the first cut of Phantom Menace to... Ron Howard and a bunch of other directors, and it's like the whole whoa, you know. Ron, Ron Howard's like, well, you got a lot going on here. <laughs> you, know, there's a, you got stuff you need to work on. So, um, wait, wait, when you say he was a consultant on the prequels, was it uh, was it his idea for Anakin to hate sand? <laughs> you know, well, come on, he just gets into everything. You know, no matter where. Oh, sand. I mean, come on, who? You know, you go to the beach. Come back with sand in your crack for how long? You know, I don't think Ron Howard had to bring that one up. Everyone knows it. Now, <laughs> you know, it seems like uh, other than the uh, other than the uh, the the Robert Langdon movies, um, it seems like he's been doing mostly historical stuff lately. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, you know, it, it will a beautiful mind. Yeah, that it, one. It, it will certainly be a, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a a change of pace for him at least when, when it comes to his work. Lately, but uh, you know, there's no reason to believe uh, Ron Howard's not up to the task. Uh, the man is—he's—he's he's as good a director as Mel Gibson without being as crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, that Gibson's insane, but he's a story structure. Um, It's—I've it, always wondered because you—you you, you think about Ron Howard, and he is an established um, director. It kind of makes sense for him to do this sort of thing. He is sort of um he is a Lucas disciple. I really expected them to bring him in on one of the 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 saga movies on one of like episode seven, eight, or nine. 
Uh, but, you know, Kathleen Kennedy decided to go with, you know, younger, less established talent on um, on um, eight and nine after having J.J. Abrams kind of kick off um, the, the new trilogy. Well, you know, it, since, it, since this has happened on the Han Solo movie, I, I think uh, uh, um, Ryan Johnson and Colin Trevorrow have to be looking over their shoulder just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. they, they know you got to You got to stay in line or, or Kennedy's coming down on you. You're coming. He's coming. Uh, uh, yeah, it's um, and I know Trevor is already, I guess, in the pre-production on um, episode nine. Uh, but um, it makes sense to have Ron Howard in there because he's just part of that whole that, that the um, you know how they say uh, like Bill Parcells has the the tree of coaches, you know, Bill Belichick and all you know all that. Well, then you have you know uh, George Lucas has his tree of filmmakers, you know, people who after him. You know, after learning under him, went on to do their things. You know, John Dykstra, um, yeah, you know, Ron Howard. Um, um, I'm trying to think of actual directors he worked with, but you know, it's hard to. I can't think of any. I always think about production folks that cut teeth under um, under George Lucas. The, it, it's just he seems to have spawned so many creative types who have gone on to be quite successful. Um, I, I have faith that Ron Howard coming in is going to be um, is going to do a good job. Although, again, as you say, three weeks left in in shooting that just seems pretty. Um, it's like you're you're giving him a big bag of crap already to deal with, and well, he's going to have to turn things around real fast. You know, everybody everybody's been saying you know there's three weeks left in shooting, but you know that that's like three weeks left in principal photography and you would assume that he's going to change it a little bit that in addition to bringing up some old uh, scars from uh, rogue one there's probably going to be significant reshoots so there's actually you know there, there's more there's more filming to do than just the three weeks yeah and yeah you do have post-production you have reshoots that you put into the budget i mean it's not like you had um like Josh sweden who took over justice league you know, with principal photography done and just all he has is everything that Zack Snyder shot and he has to figure out how to edit it and then go back for reshoots so that he can kind of, you know, make a, a, a narrative from it, you know, complete narrative from it. So Ron Howard does have a little more lead time. But again, it, it seems to me it's kind of crazy that that. It, it, that it's turning into that sort of thing in Hollywood right now that you find, yeah, OK, you know what? we're just going to switch directors. You know, I mean, think about it. I can't think of how, the last time that sort of thing really happened in a movie. Heck, at, at, concerning Rogue One, I mean, they they switch directors. You know, Gareth Edwards is credited as a director of Rogue One. But Tony Gilroy went in, rewrote a bunch of scenes, and directed a lot of stuff during the reshoots. So the fact that Tony Gilroy doesn't have his name as, you know, like as partial credit on the film, it's kind of weird. And I'm curious as to how um, the Directors Guild is going to rule on this one. You know, when it, you all know Ron Howard is directing this film, and everyone knows that the guys who were working on it before did a lot of the movie, you know. Um, well, you yeah, get yeah, credit they, for they, them they for filmed it, but, but I would assume that, you know, obviously Ron Howard's going to be involved in the editing process, and he's going to be the guy that really puts it together. I, I wouldn't view it any different as, you know, you know, like the the director not being there for second unit stuff. I mean, it, it's it's really going to be Ron Howard's movie, even if even if a lot of the footage that they used was was filmed by uh, by Lord and Miller. 
I mean, he, he's the one who's no, well, he, he's, the one who, he's the one who, who like you said with uh, with Justice League, he's the one who's <laughs> stitching it together into a into a into a story that hopefully makes some sense. So you know, it seems like to me at least he's the director. Well, that's going to be again something for the Directors Guild of America to decide, and then you know because that goes down to then you're talking about awards, you're talking about residuals. And all that kind of thing. And I would hate to be working on a movie for God knows how many months of my life to get kicked off and I get like zero credit for it. Yeah, that would kind of suck. Yeah. But of course, uh, uh, Ron Howard coming on to uh, onto this movie, which, by the way, still doesn't have a title. But I guess we're, you know, we're still over a year away. So I guess it's not that weird, but still doesn't have a title yet. It's just the Han Solo movie. Um since Ron Howard has come on as the director, it begs the question, what part is Clint Howard going to have in the movie? Oh, I already know that part. I've got inside sources. Um, I've heard that Ron Howard is going to dig into um, some unexplored territory as far as Star Wars canon, specifically the Star Wars holiday special and, uh, Clint Howard's going to play Chewbacca's son, Lumpy. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron.